Double team on Towns. His pass was deflected off the backboard. Nice help by Thaddeus. Levine through Rubio. What a play. And he's got a very fancy last name. Vanderbilt. Ah, yes, Vanderbilt of the Kentucky Vanderbilt. Zach Levine already in the double figures in this opening period. Will Purdue was the all-time shot blocker man. Okay, Will. Oh, Zach Levine through the defense oh, again. Serving and swerving. White riding Rubio made it tough on him that time. Carter to Levine. Oh, flight eight. Take it off and had to readjust with the defense of the Timberwolves. Gets it to Sato for three. It's good. Oh, bang, bang, bang. Saucy. Levine, late in the clock, the pump, the three, it's good! Oh, give me the hot sauce. Zach Levine with a pure three. First four of overtime, Rubio, no, not going to get the call that time. Bulls have numbers, Levine, wide open, that's a three! Go! Give me the hot sauce, Zach! Wade Popovich. Played very well tonight, great team defense, did a good job. Kobe Bryant. Jordan. Michael double teamed on the drive in for the left, gets chased in the corner, comes right back. Under the hood It is the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I am Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for being with me. Yeah, the highlights you just heard from the Chicago Bulls and NBC Sports Chicago. It wasn't just Zach Levine highlights. It was all-star Zach Levine highlights. How about that? First time all-star for Zach Levine. Congratulations to him. Man, he has deserved his opportunity to be an all-star. Look how many points that he has scored. Look how he's been able to fill it up for the Chicago Bulls. And here he is as an all-star. Now, here's the thing. I understand that the basketball topic, right, how polarizing it is to talk about Zach Levine because there are some that say, oh, Zach Levine, he's an all-star. Look at the points that he scores, how he is has blistering efficiency and has forced defense to zero in on him and how he's greased the wheels for the rest of this offense and how he is just the engine and the gas for this Bulls offense that still has some holes for sure. But the one hole on this Bulls offense is not Zach Levine. And that's why he's a first-time All-Star and deserves this opportunity to showcase his skills in Atlanta and represent the shy. It's great. The other side of it is people say, well, what is Zach Levine? A really good player on a team that's not very good and has some holes offensively and he's got some defensive miscues, you know, and the thing is, is that it's all of that, right? Not the best defensive player and a pretty efficient score on a team that's not ready to win yet. 
But that's not casting aspersions on Zach Levine. He's just part of this renewed faith that Bulls fans have in Carter Chauvis and Eversley. After the years of Garn Packs, it's time for something new and something fresh. And so Zach Levine, he's going to be part of the future or he's not. But all I know is right now, this is the best that they have. If the Bulls didn't have Zach Levine, if he was hurt or if he wasn't on the team, who's scoring the ball? Kobe White? Thad Young? Uh, Denzel Valentine? That's why Zach Levine becomes polarizing because it's like Zach scoring, but... Is he the number one of a good team or or just a number one just for bad teams? That is to be determined moving forward now with the Bulls, starting this year and moving forward. But all I know is props to Zach Levine. I know that David Kaplan and I talked a couple days ago about the best Bulls of the last 20 years. I say that Zach Levine's in the same photo of Derrick Rose or Lou Aldang or Jalen Rose. Um, Scottie Pippen 2.0, maybe. Just maybe, um, only because that guy's one of the top 50 players in the NBA. But man, I mean, Zach Levine, the numbers speak for themselves in a league that's not really doing very well defensively overall. We'll discuss that in a little bit. Um, But he deserves this opportunity. So congratulations to Zach. And so as far as the Bulls are concerned, they have a busy weekend. They'll take on the Phoenix Suns. We will preview their game against the Suns momentarily. Also, they'll take on the Toronto Raptors in Toronto, the Bulls will, on February 28th on Sunday. So we'll review both of those games uh, with some interesting sound from that. Let's see, what else do we have today? Oh, you're going to hear from someone that has something nice to say about Zach Levine. Oh, you're going to love this. You haven't heard this name in a while, so we'll get to that. Also, we will hear from Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving with thoughts on a new face for the logo in the NBA. It's Jerry West, but should it be someone different? He's got an idea. Uh, Boston's been struggling a little bit. We'll hear from Channing Frye. Also, Frank Isola was on with David Kaplan and I on Captain J. Hood mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, Frank was on. Frank hosts on Sirius XM NBA radio. Uh, so Frank had his thoughts uh, about the Bulls and some other NBA storylines. And one other thing. I will be on the air Saturday night after the Dallas Mavericks-Brooklyn Nets game on Saturday night after that game that's going to air on ABC with a four-time NBA champion. I will host a show with Will Perdue for the first time ever. Will Perdue and I will host a show together as we review the NBA Saturday night and preview what's going to happen on Sunday. So if you are looking for added content, Look for it on Spotify. Look for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast on Spotify. You can hear it exclusively there. And don't forget also the Cap and J Hood Podcast feed. Check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. Now, let's get this show moving and talk about the one person that you didn't expect to hear from on this edition of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Let's hear it now from one of Zach Levine's former coaches. Jim Boylan. I'm really happy for him, and I'm, I'm happy for the franchise. It's great for Chicago to have an all-star again. Zach is a good person. Uh, he's a good teammate, and it's a great story. I mean, he can score 11 points in a minute and a half. You know, three threes, get a dunk. He can just explode, but he was a young, developing player, and he's still a young player. You know, 
but he improved his habits, his efficiency, his endurance, his conditioning. And I think the coaches see that he's become a more complete player. I think he's learned how to win. I think he, he cares about the franchise, which I think is important. Eddie, I think that gets lost. I think you got to commit to the franchise. you got to care about the city. We pushed him hard. You know, I, I pushed him hard. I coached him hard. That's what I think you do to a player. You know, you try to push him to a place. Maybe he can't take himself at that time, but he did a lot of this on his own. I mean, he works, did a lot in the weight room, improved his conditioning, and uh, just really committed to becoming uh, a two-way player and a better player. I'm really happy. Jim Boylan. Is this not the greatest basketball podcast ever when you hear from that guy, Jim Boylan? He said some nice things about Zach Levine, though, um, that he was on with JT and Eddie on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Okay, so beginning March 11th, the Bulls will return from the All-Star break tasked with playing 37 games in 67 days. It is a grueling grind, as Darnell Mayberry wrote about it in TheAthletic.com. So... Billy Donovan was asked about his initial impressions. He thought that their closing first half stretch of 17 games in 31 days was bad. Uh, As each day passes, it becomes apparent. The NBA's chief concern isn't player safety, but squeezing in this season by any means necessary. And boy, isn't that the truth, right? I thought that coming out of the bubble, it was pretty sudden for the NBA to get going. But hey, the Christmas was right here and they were trying to get as many uh, games in as possible. So let us break down the tough part of the schedule for the Bulls. There's some scheduling quirks here, which we'll get to in just a moment. But so from April 11th through the 22nd, the Bulls will play eight games in 12 days in five cities. You hear me? April 11th through the 22nd, the Bulls will play eight games in 12 days in five cities. They will start with a back-to-back at Minnesota and at Memphis, play Orlando, Memphis, and Cleveland at home, head back on the road to play Boston and Cleveland before ending the stretch at home against Charlotte. At first glance, the teams are more beatable for the Bulls, but who knows if fatigue sets in. That is so true. Um, so the Bulls also earned two ESPN games that could highly be pretty entertaining on April 28th. They will take on Tom Thibodeau on the New York Knicks and that May 7th makeup game at home against Boston. They'll have that on ESPN as well. A few measuring stick games as well. They take on Utah. That's going to be on March 22nd at home and on April 2nd in Salt Lake. The Jazz have the league's best record at this point and a differential at plus 9.6. How about a revenge game? March 16th, they take on the Thunder, make their lone visit to the Chicago Bulls, and the Bulls blew a 22-point lead at Oklahoma City, if you remember that, on January 15th. And, you know... That was an opportunity for the Bulls to win that game. They were up 16 with four and a half minutes remaining and still lost that game. That was one of the nightmare games for the Bulls for sure. Uh, Some back-to-back sets, some quirks, right? March 11th and 12th, Philadelphia at home and then Miami at home, right? When Oklahoma City takes on San Antonio, it'll be Oklahoma City on the 16th. And on the 17th, it'll be San Antonio at home. 
So like Oklahoma City is going to play at home and then go to San Antonio and then you got to play them at home. It's uh, it's interesting how they're able to piecemeal this schedule together. A couple other ones, uh, April 30th and May 1st, Milwaukee will play Atlanta at home and then Milwaukee's got to play Atlanta in Atlanta. <laughs> it's just, I, I'd say this NBA, man, they're trying to get as many games in as possible, pandemic or not. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. And, and I mentioned, by the way, earlier this week, and I was just thinking about it just now. Have you thought even for one minute about Otto Porter Jr.? Because I have not. Otto Porter, part of this Bulls team, at least it's supposed to be part of this Bulls team. And this this team has just been moving forward at Otto Porter Jr. How much better would the Bulls be? As I record this on Friday afternoon, uh, how much better would the Bulls be uh, at just a game under 500 if Otto Porter was healthy and giving you 15 points a game, along with what Zach Levine gives the Bulls and Kobe White gives the Bulls and Thaddeus Young. To have a veteran presence of like Otto Porter Jr. healthy starting and making a difference, oh man. Okay, so now you're a team that's not below the top eight in the East. Maybe you're contending. Uh, of course, there's going to be growing pains with this Bulls team anyway, but a healthy Otto Porter Jr. actually providing some offense uh, wouldn't be so bad. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the Bulls and their matchup against the Phoenix Suns on DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. The Suns are a seven-point favorite against the um, Bulls, and the Suns are a much more uh, really improved team coming in at 20-11 and 11, as we talk about this, as I mentioned on Friday before the game. Should be, once again, a measuring stick game for the Bulls because of Devin Booker, because of DeAndre Ayton. Chris Paul makes all the difference in the world. Don't worry about the points per game. Worry about the production, how he keeps his head down. Chris Paul is a leader for this team, for Monty Williams. And so in this game, Markkinen, again, out. Been out since February 24th. Chandler Hutchinson's out because of personal reasons. Um, As you know, if you are a diehard Bulls fan, and Otto Porter, uh, nowhere to be found. <laughs> I don't even know when he's going to be coming back into the mix for the Bulls. Uh, but he has been out, and um, but he's been doing more physically, according to the Bulls' flagship station, going back to February 20th. Uh, so we will see on that. Let us hear from someone who knows Chris Paul very well, Mark West. Mark West... Played for the Phoenix Suns. He played for the Golden State Warriors. Played for uh, Indiana Pacers. A number of really good teams in the NBA. And he was on a podcast. Some of these, I tell you what, you love when former players jump on and give you their pure honesty uh, about their playing days. So David West was on with Raja and Logan, the real ones, part of the Ringers NBA show. Uh, Raja Bell, a veteran in the NBA, uh, has his own podcast. It's really entertaining, by the way, because he gets former players on and they kind of spill their guts and tell the truth about their playing days. But Mark West was talking about the Phoenix Suns currently, uh, this team, and talks about the impact of Chris Paul. I just want to ask real quick one more just about CP before we get on. I know we got to get to some other stuff like the team he's on now, some of the stuff that you just talked about in terms of having that dog in him and the edge and just embracing the matchup. You know what I mean? Like, cause it does boil down to like, this is, it's a team game dog, but it's, it's, it's man to man kind of hand to hand out there. You know, like you gotta, you gotta win your matchup. 
I feel like those were things that a young Phoenix team um, was missing. Clearly, talent like with like out of the coming out of the pores with the Devin Booker's and the Aitons right. and some of those pieces, but something to tie it all together with with the attitude. Um, right. How do you see that like coming to form there in Phoenix? They're, they're twenty and eleven, sitting in fourth in the West. You think they have? Uh, you think they got the chops to make some noise out there in the West? Yeah, you know, I think they'll. Um... <laughs> You know, I didn't expect them to be fourth, but um, I mean, they got they got they got a great coach, man. I mean, got to give it to Monty. Monty uh, stuff. Monty is really, really. I mean, he is a really, really good coach. Um, and you know, Chris is the kind of guy that you know Monty can coach through him, um, and that's probably what they were missing. So, um, you know, most guys who understand the league and you understand this, Roger, like you got to be coachable, right? We're pros. We got egos and families making money, whatever, but. The bottom line is, yo, you got to shut up, right, and listen to what the coach is saying. You got to shut up, close your mouth, open your ears, understand what the scout report is, go out there and try to do, period. Like, not, no deviating from that, right? And that's hard for some guys. But then there are some guys who, um, you know, the guys that play a long time are the guys that get that concept. And then the guys that can have the long-lasting impact, like Chris, um, they get it, and then they're able to pass it on to the rest of the team. You know what I mean? So now, when it's like, yo, we got to shoot around at this time, everybody be on time, let's be the plane on time, he's going to do it. And he's got a, a, a way of doing it, right? He's going to you know, keep the locker room light. He's going to joke about guys. Like, you know, that's how he does it. He's like, yo, you know, who's going to be late today? But, you know, in a way where, okay, now we're going to find you. But it's a leadership, it's an accountability way, um, and it's working, man. That's that's who he is. Like he's going to make sure that you know we're here to do a job, we're here to play, we're here to compete, get better, win, uh, go out and try to win every game we, we possibly can. And he embodies that, um, and he's able to pass that on to other guys in the locker room. So that if you're one of the guys that doesn't do it, you stand out in a bad way. Mm-hmm. What was it like in New Orleans towards the end? Because I'm trying to transition to your time in, in, in Indiana. I really like that conversation uh, with a guy like Mark West, who's been around the NBA for a long time with Roger Bell and Logan, the real ones. It's part of the Ringer podcast, the NBA show that they do. Uh, the other team that the Bulls will face will be the Toronto Raptors. So a couple of things with the Raptors. The Raptors announced Friday that their head coach, Nick Nurse, as well as five assistant coaches will be unavailable for Toronto's game in Tampa, Florida. The Raptors, who rebounded from a 2-8 and eight start, according to Tim Bontemps from ESPN.com, uh, to get back in the playoff picture in the East, they're just a game with uh, within 500 uh, as of late when I take a look at the standings here. So here's what's weird. Nick Nurse and five assistant coaches out because of uh, the COVID-19 health and safety protocols. That is a weird one. Okay, so the other story, of course, first of all, who's going to be coaching? If five assistant coaches and Nick Nurse aren't available, who's going to be coaching the Raptors? That's one thing. The other thing is, is that because the Raptors got off to such a slow start, there are questions about Kyle Lowry. Would Kyle Lowry uh, be traded? Because this team hadn't gotten off to a really good start. You take a look at the Eastern Conference, and you see in the Eastern Conference that 
you know, Milwaukee is uh, right there, and the Sixers and the Nets are among the top teams in the East. The Philadelphia 76ers up top, of course. Indiana's good. And there's Toronto, as we record this in the fifth slot in the East. So they got off to a slow start. So the question is, is Kyle Lowry available? Mark Bartlestein, his agent, says, I don't think so. You know, a lot of the rumors and things that are written about are just that's just what they are. It's just rumors, and they're they're designed for people to kind of click on the article, and there's often no factual basis behind it, and yet it causes a whole groundswell of talk and and things that you have to deal with that on a daily basis. You know, it happened today. You know, with Kyle Lowry, there was a story about how he's pushing to go to Philadelphia. I mean, that's just <laughs> you know, like that's just not true. I mean, that you know, and, and so that story came out today, and. So I, you know, get on the phone with Masai and Bobby and make sure they knew that that certainly wasn't coming from us. Um, but but you just can't control what goes on out there in the media. Um, people are trying to create news, and unfortunately, sometimes they're trying to create news. They're they're hurting your client along the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I should just follow up on that one with with Lowry. I mean, what, what's what's the communication like with him and the team, and what's his future in Toronto? Yeah, no, the communication is great. I mean, I mean, you know, Masai and Bobby and I, we talk all the time. I mean. They get off to a little bit of a rough start. They're playing much better now. They're, they're getting healthy. You know, Kyle's missed a, missed a few games with a thumb injury. But, um, you know, it's right now, like, he's, his focus is on helping them climb the standings in the East and winning games. He's, he's the greatest Raptor of all time. I don't think there's any question about that. And he's got an unbelievable legacy there. His focus, you know, is, is on playing for the Raptors and winning and helping his teammates and, 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 and doing great things the rest of the season. So that's... Thoughts there from Mark Bartlestein. So it sounds like that if for now, Kyle Lowry is not available. I'm still scratching my head like, okay, so who's going to coach the Raptors? They're five assistants and the head coach is out, Nick Nurse. Anyway, so for those of you that love defense, you'll probably hate this next soundbite. So Channing Fry, former NBA forward and center in the league, played for the Portland Trail Blazers. He's part of NBA Twitter Live. Check it out, NBA Twitter Live, and also uh, newly uh, acquired by Turner Sports. So Channing Fry was talking about the defense. First of all, he's talking about the Blazers because that's going to be an interesting game against the Lakers coming up on Friday night. Uh, Lakers and Blazers because it's Dame Lillard. Anytime you see Dame Lillard, I still think there's a dude there that is an MVP caliber player again, still does not get his due again, and so he'll take it on undermanned Lakers team. No uh, Anthony Davis for the foreseeable future until he gets healthy again and so it's LeBron James and the Lakers have been struggling it's not a major story to me but they have had their struggles so some thoughts from Channing Fry about defense saying hey right now defense does not really matter some thoughts from Channing Fry nobody is playing good defense this year right maybe the Lakers do when they want to but nobody gives a crap about defense this year right they just don't there's not enough time to practice it right at the end of the day there's not enough time to practice it like, we're watching games where people don't double-team Steph Curry. Like, somebody should get fired for that. Like, at what point, there's no point on this earth where when Klay Thompson is not playing and it's just Steph Curry, you don't double-team his butt every single time and take your chances with everyone else. But, like, people don't have time to practice the rotations. And, you know, I think it's, it's we're getting good products. You know, I would say if there's four games a week, we're getting good products three and a half games a week, but defensively this year, you could just tell teams are struggling, right? And I think the Blazers are just not built to be good defensively. Like, obviously, Dame is tired. You know, his usage rate is crazy, right? So he's relied on to 
get to the free throw line, get them in the bonus, make big time threes, you know, um, um, you know, box out like because the way they do rotations, he's usually guarding the guy on the bottom weak side. So he's having to now battle down there for, for rebounds. And, you know, for me, it's like Covington and Derek Stone Jr. are good pieces, but they're off the ball defenders, right? Like on the ball, they're solid. Off the ball is where they really excel at, right? If you want to make that cross court pass, they're going to steal it. If somebody's driving, they're going to get a deflection. That's where they're good defensively. But to overall, as a team, they just don't have enough time to practice. And, I, you know, like I said, they're just not built for it. So they win games by wearing you down. Um, I think he has Kansas done great at re- offensive rebounding this year. He's the only guy in there most of the time. It's one versus four. Um, and then they just make big-time shots. And they've been, you know, they've been through the fire. It's a veteran team. They stay close. And then, you know, when you have Dane Willard, you're up or down, you know, three, two, tie game. You pray you're going to win that game most of the time. So there it is. Channing Fry. Defensively this year, you can just tell teams are struggling. I just think that if you're a good team, you talk about don't have time to practice it. If you have pride, there's going to be a number of guys on your team that's going to want to get after it defensively. I just can't say that the pandemic is an excuse for teams not wanting to play defense. I just think the best teams to have an opportunity to stop someone is going to make it a major difference. Now, for me, on DraftKings and Casino Queen Sportsbook, it's all good because if I keep betting the over more times than not, I'm going to be a winner. Now, I've not researched that, but every time I try to bet the winner, uh, the over, I'm a winner. So I, I, I just think that if you are desirous to play defense, you'll have a number of guys that be able to protect the rim. Those that are uh, able to limit three-point shooting. Of course, there's going to be a lot of passing and a lot of scoring, but the whole point is that it doesn't mean that everyone has to have an open shot. This isn't college basketball where you move the ball around the horn and somehow you can be able to uh, get a three or find an open shooter. In the NBA, yeah, you see this a ton. doesn't necessarily mean it has to happen. So, I, yeah, defensively this year, he's right. The teams are struggling, uh, but they're not struggling to throw up uh, crazy three-point shots now within the rhythm of the of the offense. I mean, I see this a ton. As much as I love the league, um, I don't mind three-point shooting. I'm an NBA fan. Of course, I don't mind it. But when we talk about within the rhythm of the defense uh, of, a, of an offensive team and offensively, it's like, okay, I'm going to bring it into the, into the front court, one pass, and I'm just going to jack it up whether a guy's got his hand in my face or not. I mean, and it's a bad shot and it clanks off the rim. When you see that, you know, Three times a game, it's kind of like, okay, I don't mind your three, but if you are shooting poorly and then you're not getting back defensively, it's like, okay, don't worry. We'll get him on the other end. I mean, this ain't the all-star game. It's the NBA every night. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets always has something to say. It is interesting. It can be compelling. It can be confusing. But this is something that is close to his heart. So Kyrie Irving is really part of the Mamba mentality and of Kobe Bryant in that he loves Kobe Bryant. He bought into the Mamba mentality because he and Kobe would speak very often. And Kobe was trying to instill in Kyrie Irving that mentality of continuing to play at a high level. And Kyrie loved Kobe Bryant. I think the NBA, in a lot of ways, is still rocked by Kobe Bryant's death. 
because it came out of nowhere. I remember doing a show with Jeff Dickerson, and we were doing a show on ESPN Radio nationally on a Sunday. And we had our show planned out, NFL nonsense or NBA or some stuff that uh, we had put together for our three-hour show. And we heard the news about Kobe Bryant being in that helicopter crash. And our, the producers in Bristol, Connecticut, was saying in our ear, okay, we're hearing about Kobe Bryant here. Uh, we're getting news on Kobe Bryant. Now, we have one minute left before we are out of Sports Center and into our show. And I'm hearing about Kobe Bryant. Hold on a second. We're getting news. 30 seconds. And JD and I are just kind of just waiting to find out what is being said on the wires and on the news stations. 10 seconds. Okay, we're learning Kobe Bryant was in a helicopter crash uh, with his daughter. I, we believe his family was on the pl plane as well. Okay, uh, three, Kobe's dead. Three, two, one, go. That's how the business is, just like that. Just that cold. Like, we're hearing that Kobe, yep, yep, Kobe has, Kobe has died. He has crashed his helicopter. All right, guys, go ahead. And we get that little bit of news and we have to do a show. If you look in the archives of this podcast, you will hear what Shanae Okumake said that same day that Kobe passed away. Hear from Jim Beheim, Syracuse coach, that um, came on our show that day to talk about it. So if you missed it, just go back in the archives. You could find it in our flashback area of our podcast. But yeah, it was that same day. Shanae was in Los Angeles. Uh, and, you know, WNBA superstar, she does a show on ESPN Radio with uh, Mike Golick Jr. Yeah, and she was able to hold it up. She, she held up her end to be able to talk about this. And so my point is, is that the NBA, I still think is, is really shocked and saddened by uh, Kobe Bryant and Gigi dying. And Kyrie Irving is someone who loved Kobe and... I just know that that was the closest guy to him in the NBA. And so Kyrie Irving was asked by Malika Andrews, friend, and uh, part of ESPN and ESPN.com, covers the NBA. Malika asked this question regarding the logo of the NBA being changed from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. The other day you, you posted about maybe wanting to see a change of Kobe Bryant being the NBA logo. You've talked before about how much of an inspiration he is to you, how important he was to you. Why is it a change that you would like to see? Uh, well, number one, I think as a native black man, as a native black king, you know, I think it's part of my responsibility to continue to push our generation, our culture forward. Um, I, I know that it probably was met with some people that love it. I love the idea and some people that don't like it. But my thing is uh, paying homage to the example that has been set by that man. Um, he's 17 years old. We're drafting guys even younger now, guys that are coming out of uh, different places. And he was the standard for our generation. He will continue on. And I, I want that to be something in history that, is changed forever that our generation was part of that change. And, um, you know, if that means that I have to lead that forward and get the conversation going then great, but, uh, you know, I think he deserves it. I think his family deserves it. I think we deserve it as seeing greatness personified as Mamba 
And anyone that's coming into the league should know that that's the example that was set. And I'm only saying that just speaking about Kobe. I don't want to discredit any of our other historical players that have done amazing things for the league. I'm not discrediting anyone when I say that Kobe should be the logo um, because we have so many examples of guys that did things on and off the floor that were leaps and bounds um, for us to be where we are now. So um, I'm just saying present day, I think uh, it was 224. Uh, it was on a year, year after the memorial. And, um, you know, it's just a refresher that this is the guy for us. He's the guy for me. He's my mentor, more than just an inspiration. I took a lot of knowledge and wisdom from that guy. And he's always around me. And uh, Gigi's always around me. And I know that in the women's game, we want to continue to push things forward. But in our game, too, we want to set a standard and a precedent. Like, this is this is excellence. Kobe Bryant, logo. Yes, needs to happen. I don't care what anyone says. Black Kings built the league. It's exactly what I meant. exactly what I said. Kyrie Irving, Black Kings built the league. That's what he said to Malika Andrews, part of a Nets Zoom call. I would say that if you're going to change the logo, it should be Michael Jordan. I'm not saying that Kobe should be just thrown out, you know, thrown out. That idea should be thrown out. No, I understand where Kyrie's coming from. He loved Kobe Bryant. He was close to him. That whole mama mentality. I get that. If you're going to change it, though, because of the global reach that Michael Jordan brought to the league, I think it could be changed to Michael Jordan, you know, him maybe him trying to dunk from the foul line from the three-point line um maybe it should be changed to that just remember the league had larry bird and magic johnson and that started the ball rolling so to speak for the league to get better to get the, its reach and then jordan made it a global game it was coast to coast in north america for the Celtics and the Lakers when it was Magic and Larry Bird. Uh, but Jordan was able to open that up even before the Bulls started winning championships. Be like Mike, all of the advertising, everything else, and the marketing that went into Michael Jordan. And then, of course, winning the championships uh, did not hurt the branding of Michael Jordan either. So to me, the next step for me would be Michael Jordan. Let me tell you about DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March. But that doesn't mean that the fun has to wait. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players a chance to cash $100. New players can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. Think about this, guys. Listen, I talk about this all the time on ESPN Chicago, and I want you to be part of this as well. Uh, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100, it sounds like a no-brainer. The slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now. Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app and get in all the action. So again, download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code WMVP to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code WMVP for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team of their choosing to hit a three-point shot. Only a DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Illinois only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four twenty-five dollars free bets. 
See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has got a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Two other notes for, for you before we hear from Frank Isola, who had some things to say about Zach Levine and the future of the Bulls. I want you to hear that uh, conversation that David Kaplan and I had. So Thursday night, it was really a glimpse into the league away from LeBron James. LeBron James is the face of the NBA right now. He continues to play at a high level, um, even though he says no days off. He's a machine. I think he's proven that. But away from LeBron James, we saw Zion Williamson against Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Bucks in front of about 1,500 people. They had let about 1,500 fans in to the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. The Bucks beat the Pelicans 129-1. to 25. I thought it was an excellent basketball game. It's where we are now in 2021. Wasn't a ton of defense scored, uh, but the point is, though, there was a team, both teams are hitting big shots. So for the Pelicans, Zion Williamson had 34 points, eight rebounds, six assists. I like Zion. And when we hear the story of, you know, can that body hold up? Will he be, you know what? I'm not looking for it to break down. I want to see more from Zion Williamson, right? Uh, it is an unusual package uh, that we see from Zion Williamson, right? That that body, that shape, the way he runs, the way he walks. He walks like he's going to hit your ass with a two by four. The way he... <laughs> The the menacing walk looks like he's about to bust you in the face, right? But Zion Williamson, with his 34 points and the six assists and eight rebounds, the way that guy runs the floor, that parallel to Charles Barkley is not too far off. Have you seen the old videos of Charles Barkley going from coast to coast dunking the basketball in the, in a 6-4 frame? Zion looks kind of like Charles in that regard. Not saying that he is Charles Barkley, but the way that package, the way his body type is able to get on the move and go coast to coast uh that's it's very unusual that you see that today uh, brandon ingram who's one of my favorite players on this pelicans team at 23 points he was just making a lot of shots didn't score well from three uh one for ten but he was making shots especially in the fourth quarter uh 20 points for Lonzo ball and so the pelicans had an opportunity but it was so weird the game was good until late in the fourth quarter an opportunity for the pelicans to tie or try to take the lead and they kept passing the basketball like Josh Hart didn't want it Lonzo Ball didn't want it Ingram didn't want it they're just passing around the perimeter and like they didn't get the shot they wanted to try to you know cut into the lead late in the fourth quarter and they end up losing the ball game but Giannis was stellar he was 38 and 10 and four assists and but the thing that really impressed me was Middleton something that's needed for this Bucks team and they've had some issues this year as well is to try to establish that second and third score on this team their bench is pretty weak it is pretty weak um but you know the bucks need middleton they need uh, a number of other players to step in there and be able to help score for this team you know and so middle to me middleton was as impressive as anyone else with 31 points and um the bucks end up winning the game but it's just interesting to watch a non-lebron game to see the bucks and the pelicans go at it on thursday night and uh one other thing that's regarding the uh, boston celtics uh, i'm not going to play the sound for you i'll just tell you the celtics will take on the indiana pacers on friday uh and so the Celtics have had their issues. They are, let me see, they are two and a half point favorites on uh, DraftKings to win the game against the Indiana Pacers. 
And so the Celtics have had their issues. Now, I, I like the Celtics team, but just like a number of teams, there is a struggle that's been going on here. And I really think they need to take a look at either Boogie Cousins or Andre Drummond to try to bolster their, their offense. Now, Danny Ainge was on 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston talking about this. And, boy, he took a beating, uh, but it was asked – Good questions about what's going on with this Boston team, and he puts it on. He puts it at his feet. He doesn't. He doesn't blame Brad Stevens as all as a head coach. He doesn't blame Brad. Brad has been his longtime head coach, and the Celtics they haven't just lost. They lost in epic proportions. Uh, you know, losing to the Hawks, an all-time come from behind victory for the Hawks, uh, an all-time come from behind victory against the Pelicans. Uh, a come from behind victory for the Mavericks. And so there's been some issues here with this Celtics team. Uh, but I just think their depth is an issue. They need a couple other scores, especially some size, and that could make the difference. Okay. Lastly here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings is the conversation that uh, David Kaplan and I had with Frank Isola. Frank Isola is plugged into the league. He works for SiriusXM NBA Radio. He does a morning show with uh, Brian Scalabrini, former Bull, former Celtic, and color analyst for the Boston Celtics. So they do a morning show every day. And we talked to Frank about the Bulls and a couple of other subjects around the NBA. But First, we talked to him about Zach Levine. We talked to him about the Chicago Bulls and where they're headed. He makes a parallel to the Bulls and Knicks, two teams that have struggled mightily with their front offices, trying to find an identity. So let's go to that conversation with uh, Cap and I talking to Frank Isola. Uh, so Zach Levine is now an all-star. He's playing at this incredibly high level. And Billy Donovan was none too pleased, even though they won last night. He said, there's a lot more we can get out of this team. Are you surprised the Bulls are playing as well as they are? Well, number one, I think uh, Billy Donovan is a terrific coach. He's put a great staff around him, including the great Mo Cheeks, my guy Josh Longstaff, who used to be here in New York. And I think Zach Levine's been terrific. I thought that he deserved to make the All-Star team. And that's, I think that's what you like about what Billy Donovan is doing, like expecting more. Because remember, Zach Levine keeps getting better every year. But if you look at his career record, and it's obviously not his fault, but he's been on a lot of losing teams. And the last thing you want is for guys to be complacent when you're not even at right. They're not at 500 yet, aren't they? One game back. Right. And I think that's what you know. That's what you kind of need. That's the standard that you want to set. And that's why I think you know everybody talks about building a culture. That's what that is. And that's what Billy Donovan is trying to do. I think what's happening. In Chicago and New York, it seems to be pretty similar. You know, teams that, you know, kind of are, have been stuck in the lottery for a bunch of years, have a bunch of young players who are now getting better. Both teams now have an all-star Jewish Randall in New York made it. And it's fun to see because it'd be great if maybe, you know, sometime soon we can get those two teams in the playoffs playing against each other. Uh, Frank, I guess the question is, is that, you know, when you're a really top flight player on a bad team how does it get better the city seems like they're split on zach as far as the future what is it capital like in a, a couple of years his contract will yes. be up so you got to decide whether or not he's part of the of a winning team is he a winning player zach levine for a good team well i i definitely think he could be absolutely and i think what, what you like about him is the fact that he does he does keep getting better his three-point shooting has improved. He's aggressive. He has kind of a, uh, you know, his attitude of attack first, 
I, I, I think is good. He's been the guy that's carried the team. I get what you're saying. I think they still need to put some pieces around it, but I think the general manager, Arturis, he knows that. And that's why what they're doing in Chicago, kind of similar to what you're doing in, in New York. You're making the organization look more attractive to potential free agents. You're also increasing the value of a lot of players on your team when you're looking to make a trade. Look at like, I, I always go back to what Miami did years ago when they had Lamar Odom and Karan Butler and Pat Riley had those guys and Stan Van Gundy had those guys playing so well that they were able to use them in a trade for Shaquille O'Neal. So sometimes, you know, that's why when you're having a year like the Bulls are having and you're increasing the value of all your players, maybe you can make some kind of trade that works out for you. But I think Zach Levine certainly can be part of a winning team. So the way it looks is they're going to have $52 million in cap space this summer, the Bulls. Zach has one more year left at $19 million, and then he hits unrestricted free agency. You can sign him this summer. And you have to use some of your cap space or you can roll the dice and go, well, we're going to pick again, you know, a decent pick this year, 52 million in cap space, get to next summer, get another pick in the first round and then sign Zach with your bird rights and go over. But he could say to you, yeah, you know what? I wanted to be a Nick or a Lake. He can leave. And then you're trying to do a sign and trade. What would you do? What do you expect the industry would do? Would they sign Zach this summer using cap space or roll the dice on next summer? I, I could see them rolling the dice. And one thing about the free agents, when you look at what's happened with a lot of guys, including, of course, Giannis with uh, Milwaukee and Bam Adebayo signed, a lot of these guys do seem to be signing with, with their own teams. I still think that Chicago is in the driver's seat, and there's still a lot of different options out there. But that all could change. You know, We'll see how the second half of the season goes. But if Chicago is a playoff team, and let's say they do pretty well in the playoffs, I think that would give Zach Levine a little bit more leverage. But if I'm Chicago, I might ride this one out, kind of believing that when push comes to shove, I'll still be able to keep the player. Frank, is there anything that the 76ers can do as we get closer to the train deadline to solidify themselves against the Nets in the East? Well, there's been some talk about, you know, could Kyle Lowry be available? I think the fact that Toronto was kind of bounced back a little bit and they look like they're going to be a playoff team, I'm not so sure that they'll make that move. You know, the Nets have played Philadelphia twice this season. The first time they beat them, they, the Nets didn't have anybody. Uh, Durant didn't play, Kyrie didn't play, and they hadn't made the Harden trade yet. And believe it or not, the Nets won that game. And then when they played them in Philadelphia, they didn't have Durant. They ended up losing. Embiid causes trouble for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. You know, DeAndre Jordan can't handle him. But the Nets are so good. I always say, like, the Nets are arrogant, almost like the way the Kansas City Chiefs are during the regular season, where they just, they're thinking, we'll be able to score. Nobody can stop us. And really, the Nets have been that way. I mean, James Harden is so good. You know, they're seven, they've won their last seven games, and Durant has played in one of them. Correct. So you're on a seven-game winning streak where one of the top players in the league has played one of those games. So the Nets are going to be really – I think the only thing that could stop the Nets, obviously besides injury, could be you know Kyrie because defensively there are times when Kyrie kind of floats in and out of the game. But offensively, it will never be an issue with the Nets because Kyrie is not a problem offensively and Durant and uh, James Harden are unstoppable. So if I said to you, pick a team to win the NBA, I'm going to buy your ticket in Vegas, who are you putting your money on? Uh, you know what? Probably just because of as much offense as they have, I probably would say the Nets. And there's, there's a part of me that's kind of rooting for Utah to at least make it to the finals. I love what that team has done. I mean, Donovan Mitchell 
who wasn't great last night, but he's been great this season. Rudy Gobert has been outstanding. They're a fun team. They share the ball. They knock down threes. And I just like the fact that I, I thought Rudy Gobert got treated a little bit unfairly. Was he a little bit immature with the stuff when he was touching everyone's microphones? Then it came out a few days later that he had the coronavirus. But it was like everyone made it seem like uh, Rudy Gobert infected the entire country. He was the first player that we do about. Doesn't mean that he was the first player that had the coronavirus, and he was kind of made out to be the villain. I thought that was, I, I, I didn't like the way that was handled, but I think he's had an unbelievable season, and they're a really fun team. But you, know, you guys know this. If Anthony Davis is healthy, then it's just different because LeBron come playoff time is unstoppable. It's all going to come down to whether or not Anthony Davis is healthy come playoff time. That's a great point. Uh, Frank, the Jazz it, the Jazz are like being the coach of a non-power five college football team. You're great, <laughs> but you'll never beat Alabama, right? I mean, so, but if you're the Jazz, I know you got to keep trying, but there's always going to be second best, won't they, as far as them trying to have a deep run in the playoffs? Well, I, I would say this, and I, you know, I think for the smaller market teams, and, you know, I think, you know, you guys see this in Chicago, you see it all the time in New York where, you know, everyone always becomes really impatient. So you have a place like Utah where it's hard to, you're not going to get the big time recruits, um, um, free agents. And, you know, yes, you can make trades for players, but sometimes just keeping a group together is good for you. If you go back to when Dallas was, you know, won over 60 games, Dirk was the MVP. They lost in the first round to Golden State. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, maybe they should get rid of Dirk, break up the team. They kept that group together, and a few years later, they ended up winning the title. I think for Utah, I thought that was important. Last year, you know, if Mike Conley hits that shot against Denver, they get out of the first round, and then who knows what kind of run that they go on. Maybe they beat the Clippers, maybe they don't. But I, I sometimes think these organizations that think, you know what, let's just, like, let this group go through it. When the, you know, I've been uh, researching some stuff on the Chicago Bulls, like those early years with Michael Jordan. You know, they kept losing... Uh, you know, it was a struggle for Michael Jordan. Then when they finally kind of over the hump a little bit, now they were running into Detroit and they were losing there. They weren't really doing anything drastic to t to turn the team over. They were just kind of thinking, you know what? It's going to get better for us. We'll eventually be able to get over the mountaintop because we feel we have the right players, including the great Michael Jordan. I, th I think that Utah believes that they have the group that can do that. Frank Isola on with David Kaplan and I on Cap and J Hood. You can hear that show morning 7 and 10 a.m. Central. A lot of fun. A lot of sports. And a lot of you interacting with us. Cap and J Hood morning 7 and 10 a.m. Central on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I thank you for checking out the podcast. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Monday. We will focus on some of the NBA storylines and take a look at what's going on on college basketball. A very busy college basketball slate. We'll review what happened on Monday. Twice a week, you will get the best in basketball conversation, college, pro, everything else basketball. Right here with me, Jonathan Hood. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Enjoy your weekend. Let's talk again Monday in the month of March. Take that.